0: We had a steady uh, 2% growth for the calf category, in general, year after year.
1: I think one reason that we know is probably the biggest reason for the fear of caffeine is actually sleep.
2: The third thing that I think that we see is a lot higher volume on our really high-end decaf coffees. I would say that from then to now, we've perhaps quadrupled or quintupled in volume on the smaller, higher-end sales. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast.
3: I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. And today we're exploring the topic of decaffeinated coffee. Over the years, decaf has been poorly regarded in specialty coffee circles, and many baristas would often joke they'd prefer death before decaf. But I believe now is the time to look anew at this small but highly promising market segment. We'll be exploring questions such as, how big is the market for decaf, and what are the trends? What drives consumption of decaffeinated coffee, and how do you actually remove caffeine from coffee? We'll hear from Emmanuel Deers of Swiss Water, Chris Cornman of Royal Coffee, and we begin with Laura Burton, market lead for coffee at Taylors of Harrogate, a family-owned business with distribution across all major UK supermarkets. Well, welcome, uh, Laura.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: To set the scene, I wonder if you could tell me how business has been for Taylors Coffee over the pandemic.
1: Well, there's no doubt that the pandemic skyrocketed coffee consumption. So obviously with people having different working conditions, so mainly working from home and also the fact that all of the coffee shops were closed for some of the time, that drinking in home and investing in equipment even to make coffees in home, we saw a huge rise in that. So the market boomed really. I think in terms of where we are now, the roast and ground category as a whole is declining on last year, but obviously it was a stellar year but it's not coming back down to sort of 2019 levels. So we are seeing it plateau, but it's we're still plateauing at a higher level in terms of spend in the category than we were in 2019. That's probably owed to, owed to the fact that although we've come through the lockdown, people have moved to flexible working conditions. They're still partly at home. They're not fully in offices. So they're still drinking that coffee at home through the day.
3: And. As one of Britain's, you know, largest, most famous coffee roasters, presumably you, you have a decaf offer.
1: We do. We have Taylor's Decafé Coffee that does very well for us actually. It's um the number one selling decaffeinated skew in the category. So and we've we've obviously along with the growth in coffee, we've also seen some high growth on, on our decafé line as well. It's got about well, nearly a thirty percent share of the decaffeinated sector. So it's worth about five million to us now, decafe.
3: Is there a growing trend towards decaffeinated coffee in the UK, or is it just same part of a a a bigger growing pie?
1: It is true that all of coffee is growing, but we are actually noticing that it's actually taking a greater share of the coffee category overall. So it's holding around nearly a 10% share of the overall coffee category at the moment, but that's up from around 8.8% in 2020. So it's now worth about 117 million. So it is sizable.
3: This growth is
1: within the grocery market? Yeah, that's within grocery, yes. Decaf really, in terms of the growth there, it's really growing in line with also an increased trend for health overall. So health as a trend is growing and decaf is quite a significant part of that. So Again, I think decaf coffee growth was something that accelerated through changing lifestyles during COVID. So with people drinking more coffee at home throughout the day, that also comes with side effects if you're drinking a lot of caffeinated coffee. So definitely seen sort of more switching into decaf, even through, again, the working from home lifestyle. We're also seeing that although it's always been sort of consumed more in volume by older drinkers. We're also now seeing that younger shoppers are entering into it. So the growth actually is coming more rapidly from a younger generation of shoppers.
3: Any thoughts about why younger shoppers are increasingly taking decaffeinated coffee?
1: I think it probably just ties in with the greater focus on health and wellbeing, really. I think one reason that we know is probably the biggest reason for the fear of caffeine is actually sleep. So I think it's probably very much in line with your own mental well-being, really, which is another thing that obviously um, has come to the fore through lockdowns and the pandemic, really.
3: What are the other factors? Do you think that consumers might be motivating them not to have caffeine in their coffee?
1: The sleeps the biggie, but I think there's a certainly from the studies we've done, there is just an overall perception that it's better for your health to not have the caffeine. There's been other cited reasons, but again, they all do generally link back to how you feel really. So lots of people talking about how caffeine can make them feel jittery, although they enjoy the taste, they enjoy the experience of drinking a coffee, how they feel after drinking four, five, six of them is not how they want to feel. So feeling jittery, probably in line with that, maybe increasing a sense of anxiety. So again, that wellbeing thing. But also we hear a lot about this idea of avoiding the crash. So Caffeinated coffee works wonderfully in the mornings for sort of um, perking us up and getting us into our day. But there's definitely comes a point in the day where you'll start to feel those effects bringing you back down really and actually can have the opposite effect if you've had too many of them. So I think something that we've definitely seen is that there's a definite jumping off point as you sort of head into the mid-afternoon where a lot of people, well, we found certainly from our studies that about three in five caffeinated drinkers were limiting what caffeine they drank and that was really happening sort of from the mid-afternoon into the evening. I think the main thing that we see with decaf is that it probably fulfills a very specific occasion, Um, probably very similar to what we've seen with alcohol-free beer. Although there will be people that will make that their main choice for the majority of people, it will be right for a certain occasion when you still want that drink experience, but without the added alcohol, or in this case, without the caffeine. So that occasion really lends itself to the afternoon and into the evening, where the main fear is that that caffeine is going to keep you awake. And drinking caffeinated coffee in the evening is really just for the hardcore, the very few. (laughs) Are
3: you seeing, you know, different formats? I mean, do do you offer capsule formats and are you seeing more decaffeinated in capsule are there any sort of peculiar trends that you might see in terms of how people are consuming decaf
1: the roast and ground sector in particular has seen the most growth but within that you're quite right As a business we don't actually offer a coffee pod but that is where the growth is coming through so having a convenient decaf coffee obviously in a pod format is something that's growing Also seeing growth in beans as well, actually. So whole bean. Interestingly, though, there isn't as much choice within that sector, although the demand is there. So you won't find an abundance of decaffeinated coffee bean offerings in the supermarket. But where that offering is there, it is experiencing growth. So very much a sort of premiumizing, I would say, the decaf habit. Maybe testament to the fact that people are starting to see it as good an option as their usual caffeinated coffee.
3: Wonderful. Now, about your own decaffeinated, how do you acquire a decaffeinated coffee bean or do you get involved in the decaffeination process yourselves?
1: So I think the first thing for us, and probably one of the main reasons why our own decaf coffee is so successful, it's about the lengths that we go to with our sourcing. So for the decaf product, it's the same quality coffee that we source for our regular non-decaffeinated coffee. So there isn't a compromise in the first place, if you see seen what I mean. So um, the green bean that we source is specialty grade coffee. And then I guess in terms of the decaffeination process itself, it's a water process that we use that's the most natural.
3: There does appear from everything you've said today that there is a growing business case for offering more and more decaf.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think if three and five coffee drinkers are restricting their caffeine intake, and maybe some of those will be switching into decaf, but what we do know is, there's still around sixty percent of caffeinated coffee drinkers where they don't. So there's still a barrier to that for them in trying decaf, and I think that main barrier is that they think it won't taste as good, or it will be it's somehow inferior to their caffeinated coffee, or it's not considered proper coffee. So the real opportunity here is if if you can. Break down that taste barrier There is a clear occasion for
3: decaf Wonderful That's a great way to leave it Thanks Laura for joining us here today
1: on 5th Wave Great, thanks so much for having me
3: Laura suggests consumers are turning to decaf As part of broader wellness trends Including a focus on the importance of sleep Suggests the demand for premium High quality decaf coffees Is being driven by coffee drinkers Who actually want to savour specialty coffees Late into the day Without compromising their sleep And with an estimated 60% of coffee drinkers who don't currently drink decaf, this looks like an exciting business opportunity. Now let's look at demand for decaffeinated coffee at a global level by speaking with Chris Kornman, Director of Education at Royal Coffee and author of a recently published book, Green Coffee, A Guide for Roasters and Buyers. And after a number of years of sourcing for Intelligentsia, in 2016, Chris joined Royal Coffee, an independent family-run importer based in the Bay Area, supplying green coffee to over 30 countries. Welcome, Chris, to Fifth Way podcast.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: How important is decaffeinated coffee to your business mix or sort of the mix in the markets you work?
2: Sure. I mean, it's, it's critical. It's a it's a large percentage. It's a large minority. I think we estimate that our total volume on an annual basis is probably around 15%, which is, I think a little over the global average of coffee produced as decaf, which is around, I think around 12.
3: And do you see any upward trend on decaf?
2: I had, uh, my friend and coffee trader, Laurel Worth pull some numbers for me last night and we, uh, had a great year in 2017 for decaf and then we saw kind of a slow steady decline to be honest until coming out of the pandemic and we have i think as of last year reached and just barely exceeded that 2017 figure so from my perspective i would say our business has not seen dramatic increases in overall decaf volume being traded okay but there's nuance to that well tell us about that nuance so i think in terms of total volume traded if we consider 2017 and today relatively the same the big difference for me is that we're seeing a trend towards higher quality decaffeination i also believe that our decline in numbers through that time may have not been exclusively related to supply and demand at that time we as a company made a decision to stop carrying a particular processing method called methylene chloride decaffeination Um. Um, it's a chemical process so I wonder if it's possible that some of the customers that have been relying on us for those particular coffees went and looked elsewhere. Mm. And so I think there are maybe two prongs to the resurgence of coffee over the past couple of years, maybe three. First, business re-emerging from the pandemic. Second, new interests from new customers in chemical-free decaffeination. And the third thing that I think that we see is a lot higher volume on our really high end decaf coffees. I would say that from then to now, we've perhaps quadrupled or quintupled in volume on the smaller higher end sales.
3: Well, so we're obviously seeing a huge increase in the demand for quality decaf. What do you think that's down to?
2: There's probably a couple of factors I think part of it's just increased awareness of stuff that's out there, and I do think that between Royal's stance against methylene chloride and also a Clean Label Project report that came out a couple of years afterwards, there's been a new sense of urgency to move away from chemicals that might potentially be harmful to people. So in addition to that, I think that increased availability of these types of coffees. So there's definitely a chicken and egg situation here, right? You've got Mm. folks that are looking for good coffees and then folks that are trying to produce them. And the increased awareness of traceability and transparency in the supply chain, I think, has played into decaffeination as well. So folks are looking for single-origin decafs from reputable suppliers with good supply chain tactics and good faith in their purchasing practices.
3: Yeah, now that you're not using chemical decaffeination, what Process are using now to, to decaffeinate your coffee?
2: Primarily, we're working with water processed coffees from the company Swiss Water and the company Descomex, which has a brand called Mountain Water. Yeah. Uh, in addition to those two processes, we are using what's called ethyl acetate or sugarcane process. It is not chemical free, but ethyl acetate is low environmental impact and low risk to the people that are handling it. So we believe that it's a safe and responsible alternative to methylene chloride.
3: Yeah. So to ask a very candid question here, do you feel that you can get the same taste and quality in decaffeinated coffee as you, as you would with a caffeinated coffee?
2: It's a good question. It's what you might call a loaded or charged question. And hopefully the folks that know a little bit about the process of decaffeination will laugh at that very subtle pun so one of the ways that the folks that decaffeinate coffee try to preserve coffee quality is to to load or charge the water that they use with coffee solids and the idea is that by the process of like osmosis or diffusion you know the chemicals that are in high concentration in one area and we're looking specifically at caffeine would be migrating from the coffee bean to the loaded coffee water and in that way it's only the caffeine that migrates and not the flavors themselves. Now, because the process does involve soaking or hydrating the coffee, there is definitely gonna be a flavor change. But I think that what we see is that when the process is done right, and we start with high quality ingredients from the get-go, which I think is another problem that folks had been using relatively low qualities for decafs in the past because they thought that it wouldn't matter, that it was sort of a secondary product, right? But if you start with good ingredients, you have a much better chance of getting a good product on the other end. So it's not going to taste exactly the same, but I do believe that there's a potential for extremely high high quality decaf out there. And I, I you know, we serve it in our cafe every day. I love it. Should, should
3: decaffeinated coffee be more expensive?
2: <laughs> I mean, there is absolutely a cost in the process. You're doubling your shipping, basically. If you're sourcing coffee directly from a producer or supplier, You have to ship that coffee to the decaffeination plant and then again to your warehouse so yeah you've doubled your your logistics expenses there Um, and then there's of course the cost of the decaffeination process itself
3: any other tips for the future and trends relating to decaffeination
2: I think you know I think one of the most wonderful and rewarding things is putting good decaf into the hands of baristas who can then put it into the hands of customers and for baristas to be in front of a cafe and recommending a decaf to customers who might not ordinarily be trying it because it tastes so good is a real unique thing and and it's just such a pleasure to watch people's minds change about what how high quality decaf can be
3: so you're predicting the death of death before decaf
2: (laughs) certainly not but i do think that there is absolutely a place for decaf in everyday drinking
3: great Chris, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Jeff,
2: thanks so much for having me.
3: Chris echoes some of the observations made by Laura earlier. The market for specialty decaf is sizable, estimated at around 12% globally and growing very quickly. Now, both Chris and Laura mentioned their companies use a water method for decaffeination. So let's turn to the science of decaf by speaking with Emmanuel Diaz, VP of Trading for Europe at Swiss Water. Welcome, Emmanuel. Hi, Jeff. I'm very pleased to be invited here. Decaf hasn't had a great reputation in specialty coffee historically, and I understand that's now changing. But could you explain why decaf hasn't been well regarded as regular coffee is?
0: We used to have a very bad decaf. And for economic reasons, industry was asked by distributors to provide coffees that were decaf or non-decaf at the same price. So... Mm. But can you expect uh, when you have an additional step in the process? And then because of the mindset and the process, you don't want to ruin a very high quality coffee. So you don't invest in your beans. Mm. Remember that we were using only one method for ages. Are you going to tell your your customers, hey, we use a very good methyl and chloride? No. So you don't invest in your beans. You want to have the same price. It costs something. So you take past cropish, slightly lower quality. Guess what? You get a lower quality. So mm. people get used to get that for edges. Doesn't mean it's so bad, but it was not as good. And then people say, oh, I don't want decaf. That's before decaf, I want real coffee. So I wonder if you could unpack for us the process of
3: taking caffeine out of coffee. And I understand there are a few different methods.
0: You have different methods. Mm-hmm. The chemical ones using methyl chloride. Another one, uh, very popular because it gives a, a sweet note to the coffee, is the ethyl acetate, also called uh, sugarcane or molasses. Better accepted because ethyl acetate is uh, seen as a process that uh, is more natural. It's also called the natural process. Then you have the CO2, which is also a chemical-free method. Then you have water processes. And within the water processes, you have the Swiss water process, which is also a bit different. What's the idea behind the, the decaffeination? Well, you are going to attract caffeine using an agent, and then you are going to remove the caffeine from the agent. And in this case, we, our agent is water and green coffee extract without caffeine. So basically, we all use water because you need to, to put moisture in, in order to let the caffeine getting out of the bin. The thing is that we don't use chemicals. So um, in our case, basically, you confront a solution of water and green coffee without caffeine and your coffee that has been put into water. So you have coffee full of water on one hand and on the other hand, you have water full of coffee components except caffeine. When you confront these two products, there is a migration that is mechanical, uh, if I may say, from the bean to the water full of the green coffee components. If we can decaffeinate coffee without chemicals, why would we use chemicals? Number one is that the non-chemical processes are uh, slightly more expensive. Uh, The second uh, is probably that if we wanted to convert the whole world, we won't have enough uh, processing capacity right now. Mm. Though in the last uh, five years, I think the water processing capacity has about double to also allow the shift from uh, chemical to chemical-free.
3: Right. I wonder if you could tell us about that growing segment. So how much growth has been, say, over the last 10 years of decaf?
0: We had a steady uh, 2% growth for uh, decaf category in general, uh, year after year. And in the specialty field, where you can expect that the specialty market is slightly more using the Uh, better qualities, whether it's not just chemical-free, but it could be ethyl acetate, CO2, water processes, and Swiss water. It was double than that, so 4 to 4.5, 5, 5, 6% depending. And this always, decaf and specialty decaf, always outpace the total category coffee consumption, which was just below 2%, 1.5. We have regular progression, regular growth in coffee, you have slightly more for decaf and you have almost double for specialty decaf.
3: Yeah. So outpacing the overall coffee market is decaf. Are there any other countries where you're seeing particularly strong growth in decaf?
0: Well, the, the, the growth I mentioned is uh, for Europe, US markets, where we have a good footprint in US and Canada, because for logistic reason, we are closer and also in Canada because it is mandatory to inform your, the consumer if you are using chemicals. So the, the chemical-free represent 50% of the decaf consumption in, in Canada. In Japan, in Korea, in Southeast Asia, it's growing as well. And especially the chemical-free because Japan it's uh, forbidden to import methyl chloride decaf or chemically removed beans. So it's a boulevard uh, for uh, CO2, for water processes and for Swiss water.
3: Are there any estimates out there worldwide as to what the percentage of decaf caffeinated might be in terms of volumes across the entire coffee industry?
0: I think the worldwide is about 4.5, 4.8%. It may vary. And if you go to North America, it's above 12%. When you think about cups, We have just made studies through StudyLogic which were saying 15% of the total caps consumed in the US were decaf and in Europe, it's 12%.
3: So expect more decaf at your local coffee shop sometime soon. Uh, I guess you would say, Emmanuel. Thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. Have a good day. I believe the market for decaf is going to grow. Some of this growth will be driven by health conscious consumers who recognize the importance of sleep, but equally as supply of high quality decaf continues to grow, specialty coffee lovers will want to embrace this opportunity and drink a delicious coffee late into the day. I can even imagine going to my own local specialty cafe in the not too distant future and being offered a specialty decaf single origin alongside their other caffeinated offerings. In short, I predict the death of death before decaf. And that's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. This episode was produced at the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Geoffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song is by Emma Stevens, English singer-songwriter. Emma came third place in the Coffee Music Project this year with this song, I Still Miss You. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated or decaffeinated.
4: I I could rewind I'd change your fate forever But just one day